Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Uh, Just in time for Christmas, the New Orleans Saints gift all of Houdat Nation a win. A win over those dirty birds. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parch III, joined inside the game studios by the (laughs) Hannah five names has a quarter zip on you have a zipped up jacket on as your primary piece of clothing this morning you have your heated lighted up jacket on on top of it and you have a knitted hat on the top of your head yes are you under the impression that we live in siberia no, I am just a really cold person, and so I'm wearing my brand new zip-up jacket from the me mom, my mom's fiance's mom. So you're wearing two jackets. Yes, I am. You're a two-jacket person. Today, yes. Later, I'm going to be cold, but not as cold to wear my heated jacket, so take this off, and I'll have my zip-up jacket. What a flex. And my mom got me this hat. There we go. I can put a bun outside of the hat. Absolutely stunning ensemble that you have. Two jackets when it's 50 degrees outside. Yeah, it's cold. (laughs) When my dog is outside shaking because it's cold, I'm cold. The dog has fur. Yeah, he's still shaking. (laughs) He was still sitting Oh, five names is bundled up, so she's ready to go and taking your phone calls today. You want to holler at us? Game hotlines 337 That's 337-706-0111. We got a lot to get to on today's show. Condensed week. We're only on through Thursday this week, taking Friday off for the Christmas holidays. So we're jam-packed. Got a lot of great guests lined up for you. Going to get you prepared for the Independence Bowl, which is on Friday up in Shreveport. Projected weather for that. Now, what you're wearing today is perfect for Friday. You're wearing a new jacket, a knitted hat, and a heated jacket on top of it. Two jackets. Mm -hmm. That may be needed if you're traveling up for the Independence Bowl on Friday to see the Cajuns take on the Cougars of University of Houston. Projected forecast, the high, the low 30s. The low, 9. <laughs> so, what's your? I could only imagine what you would wear on Friday up in Shreveport. 
Because if this is what you're wearing now, today, I don't even want to see. Would you just be wrapped up in like 18 scarves? Is that how it would look? You'd just be a big ball. I only have one scarf, so I could have them in multiple scarves. I only have one. If you're bundled up like this today, how would you deal with 10 degrees? Um, I'd probably put one. I'd have more than I would not be wearing my my jeans that have the little holes on them. Not wearing those because that's gonna be cold. I was already cold walking in my car this morning with that, but it's fine. So t- time out, time out. Yes. Let me see. So I'm wearing purposeful holes in my jeans. So you're wearing jeans with holes in them. Yes. And complaining about being cold. Yeah. Ooh man. I'm a conundrum. Oh, you got you got a little Dennis Allen in you. That's what you got. I, I, no, <laughs> yeah, you got a little Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael in you. <laughs> don't oh, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm cold. <laughs> you also have a car that doesn't have a heater, by the way. Yeah, which kind of says I should be able to use my heat because I have I don't have the hose for the condenser. So I, don't, I feel like that all plays together. So I don't. I don't. I'm not your fiance. I don't, I don't know, know why you don't have heat in your car. I just know Tell that you the don't. People. They, it's on back order. Tell the people to get my part in. Sure. I'll make that phone call because I don't even know where you ordered it from. Thank you. <laughs> we got three guests lined up for you today. Jeff Palermo will join us at 730 to talk all things LSU as they continue to prepare for the Citrus Bowl versus Purdue. They got some good news themselves as they got a former Alabama player and former top-rated prospect in the entire state of Louisiana to come back to the state via the transfer portal. We'll talk to Jeff about that coming up at 7.30. At 8 o'clock, Jay Walker, he typically joins us on Wednesdays, but because of travel and preparation for the bowl game, Jay's going to join us this morning at 8 o'clock to talk all things Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And then at 8.30, our guy Ross Jackson, that's right, the man behind the Locked on Saints podcast will join us to talk about the Saints. We'll get to the crazy action of the NFL this weekend. The Minnesota Vikings game was ridiculous. The Raiders-Pats game was even more ridiculous. The Cowboys finding ways to lose to bad teams. We're going to dive into all of that. We're going to talk about the bowl matchups as well. We're going to talk about the World Cup. What a great way to end that. But we got to start off with the New Orleans Saints. They won a game. Watch out now. The New Orleans Saints won a game. Now, there was a stretch there where it appeared that they were trying their best to lose the game. Trying their absolute best. But they race out a strong start to the game, a quick start to the game, up 14-0. Falcons try to chip away at it, scoring 15 points in the second half, but it wasn't enough as the Saints were able to get enough points to hold on to win the ballgame. Two great early drives. Put them up 14 to nothing. Then the offense went cold, but they got the touchdown drive in the third quarter. That proved to be the difference in a 21-18 victory over their rivals inside the Caesar Superdome on Sunday. Saints improved to 5-9 and nine overall, only 4-4 four and four at home. Falcons dropped to 5-9 and nine as well, and they're 1-6 in, 
away from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Typically, rookie quarterbacks playing the Saints always fare well. Always fare well. Think Marcus Mariota with the Titans, Vince Young with the Titans, RG3 with the Redskins. Year after year, if you have a rookie quarterback, you play the Saints for whatever reason, your rookie quarterback's going to do extremely well against the Houdats. That was not the case yesterday. Desmond Ritter starting for the first time ever. Only 13 to 26 for 97 yards. No touchdowns. Sacked four times. He can only go up. If that's supposed to be the franchise quarterback for the Falcons for years to come, things can only get better. But as much as they struggled in the passing game, Tyler Algier racked up 139 yards on the ground. They absolutely gashed the Saints' run defense, which really is non-existent anymore. The Dirty Birds rushed for 231 yards in this game, averaging 5.9 yards a pop. Ugh. Not, not good. On the other side of things, Saints offense starts off well. Andy Dalton, 11 to 17 for 151 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Was sacked twice. Taysom Hill got him involved. See what happens? Wow, amazing. He threw two passes for a total of 80 yards, including a touchdown. They got Alvin Kamara involved. Wait, timeout. What? Got Taysom Hill involved. Got Alvin Kamara involved. They won the game? No, no, you don't mean it. Kamara, 21 carries for nearly 100 yards. He averaged 4.3 yards a carry. Taysom Hill had seven carries for 30 yards. Amazing how that works. Get the ball in your two best playmakers' hands, and they win the game. What? Is it that simple? Rashid Shahid, who's been a one-catch wonder this season, where they give him the ball, he makes a sensational play, and then they don't give him the ball anymore. Well, apparently, the Saints coaching staff got the memo on that as well, because guess who led the Saints in receiving yards? Shahid! Three catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. He was targeted four times. Jawan Johnson had himself a very good game. The touchdown where he scored on the the second time where there was no one around. Four catches for 67 yards, had two touchdowns. Now, running back is still an issue. Backup running back is still an issue. They put David Johnson into the game to give Kamara a breather. And, uh, you know, he only had four carries, and one of those was a lost fumble. (laughs) Just like, oh, come on, man. What are we doing here? What are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing? But it was a nice performance. Not the best. Saints run defense, not great. Not great. 
But they got the ball in their playmakers' hands. Andy Dalton was efficient. Taysom Hill got involved. Jawan Johnson. He shakes off those multiple defenders and that got that spin move for the touchdown. That was awesome. Rashid Shahid, who's done nothing but make plays as a rookie. They got him the ball more. Dalton and Hill combined for three touchdown passes to Johnson and Shahid as they hold on to beat the Dirty Birds. Jawan Johnson. Now remember, Jawan's the converted wide receiver. When he was at Oregon, he played wide out. The Saints converted him to being a tight end because he's got such a big build. Career high, 67 yards receiving. That Taysom Hill touchdown pass was nice. Just nice. But there were stretches in this game where you went, oh, man, come on. Unable to stop the run. You let the Falcons get back into it. They make it a single possession game. But the Saints defense made enough plays when it needed to. In particular, less than three minutes to go. Atlanta's only down by a field goal. They're threatening to score. Ritter, the rookie, and you're like, oh, no. Here we go. The rookie's going to have a great moment. And he hits Drake London over the middle for a first down on fourth and five. But veteran safety special teamer Justin Evans punches the ball out from London's hands and cornerback Bradley Roby snags it out of the air to give New Orleans the ball at its own 39-yard line. I know many Saint fan was very nervous in this moment. <laughs> You're like, uh-oh, here we go. Less than three minutes to go. Falcons are driving rookie quarterback. Here's the nightmare scenario. But not this time. Not this time. Evans punching that ball out and Roby being able to snag it out of the air. Phenomenal. And they were able to chew up clock, just put the game away until nine seconds left when they were unable to get the fourth down. But we're going to make the Atlanta Falcons have to drive 91 yards to try to get a touchdown. So they get the win. Will it help? Mathematically, yes, they're still there. They have not been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but let's be honest. Even with Tampa Bay getting crushed by Joe Burrow and company, they choked away that one. Burrow's like, I got this. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about this. Burrow and Chase were like, we saw our guy Justin Jefferson rally the night before in a game that the Vikings should have lost. We got this. Here you go, Tom. Has another L taste. But they get a win, right? 
in a season that's been absolute garbage to beat the Dirty Birds, to sweep them this season. Not a bad little Christmas present. We'll talk more about this game here from the Saints and the coaches themselves. That's coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Putting a team away when you have an opportunity to put them away, um, you know, you, you have to be able to take advantage of that. And, and um, yeah, that it is it is frustrating uh, because you do a lot of good things in the game and then you have opportunities to, to put them away and and you're not able to do it. Look, we didn't finish that last drive of the game like we wanted to. Um, but yet we took it down to nine seconds to go with no timeouts, you know, and, and so uh, it wasn't exactly what we were looking for, but it was it was fairly close. Um, and I felt like that I felt like that uh, third down play. I was hoping that we were going to get a measurement on that. Dennis Allen victorious. Hey, as had his guy victorious after beating the Dirty Birds, holding on to beat the Dirty Birds 21-18 to yesterday inside the Caesar Superdome. What a glorious victory it is for Dennis Allen. You heard what he said there. Didn't get to finish it off like they would want wanted to, right? The game plan was to go ahead and punch it in, score again, go ahead and just you know seal the win. But they did take the clock all the way down to nine seconds. So there you go. Not the prettiest win, but they did do a few things, right? We've been asking, clamoring for, banging on this desk day after day, week after week this season. Can you get your two best playmakers involved? Can you get Taysom Hill involved in the offense? Can you get Alvin Kamara involved in the offense? And sure enough, they did. Now, they still ran stupid plays with Alvin Kamara, but he was more involved. Got Taysom Hill involved. And that Taysom Hill touchdown pass was something else, man. That was an absolute thing of beauty. And D.A. talked about Taysom stepping up and getting that touchdown. There's some things that you do, and, and, and what you don't know is exactly when Taysom gets lined up at the quarterback position. You don't know exactly what you're going to see every time. Um, you know, so we got the look that we were looking for. Um, and... Look, I think I think Shahid ran a great route. Um, like his speed is impressive, uh, and and look, Taysom did a great job of putting the ball in the right spot, just over the top of the safety, and and um, you know, yeah, we got the look we were looking for, and our guys executed, and that's really like that's what, you know, good football is 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 really all about. You know, it's, you know, it was a good play call, right? But the execution is what made it work, and that was that was good to see. Doing things, you know, the thing they've struggled with all year is calling the right plays. We can talk about the offensive line. We can talk about the defensive line and how it's non-existent, especially against teams that want to run the football. There's a lot wrong with this team. 
But the play calling was has been something that's been an issue. So the fact that they actually, you could tell they had a game plan in this game. They're like, we got to get AK involved. We're going to get Taysom Hill involved in multiple ways. Not that the light bulb went off, but you could tell they finally kind of woke up a little bit and said, oh, hey, we have these two really great toys over here that we haven't played with yet. I mean, that's how it feels like. I was like, yeah, they're right there. Use them. You know you got a guy that can throw the ball, and everyone expects him to run, so it'd be the perfect time for him to throw. And sure enough, he threw. Shahid, man, he has shown some flashes. They got a nice young player there that they will need to continue to develop. That's a big part of that. He could turn into something special if they continue to develop him. And this is what he had to say about that long touchdown pass from Taysom. Uh, yeah, so at the line of scrimmage, it was kind of like a kill-kill situation, um, depending on how the safeties were going to play it. Um, as soon as I lined and I saw one high safety, I knew that, you know, they was gonna, he was going to throw it. Um, I just had a you know, win on my route, and, you know, it, it, it happened. Taysom threw a great ball, and I was able to finish it. So, Who would have thought at the end of the season, or rather when we started the year, Right? During preseason, if I would have told you, hey, the week of Christmas, the best playmakers, a couple of the best playmakers for this team are going to be Chris Olave, Jawan Johnson, and Rashid Shahid. You would have been like, what? Are we a three-win team? Close. Close. But... Everyone, you know, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, and you ended up having these other guys that have really kind of stepped up. They've been needing some help at tight end, and the Jawan Johnson has made progression year after year, and he's really starting to flourish now as a big-time target. Remember, he's a former college-wide receiver. He's just got the huge tight end body, so he's being having to learn how to play a different position. And they spent all that draft capital and all that other time trying to figure out the tight end position well they got a guy for barely anything that's a converted wide receiver that has become that guy for them and Juwan talked about what he saw and what was the matchup out there on his first of two touchdowns yesterday yeah it was just honestly it was just a simple shallow cross I was bumping uh you know their end and they kind of just got out I'm sure it was a busted coverage but you know, um, nobody covered me, and I just tried to, I just, well, as, as they say, I just tried to get freaky. So I try to do my thing. Um, uh, I try to do my thing. I'm, it's not too many times I'm in the open field. So, you know, I just try to get into the end zone. He showed potential early with Jameis last year, remember? He became their big red zone target. Everyone was like, whoa, hey, Juwan Johnson. And then when. Jameis got hurt and they had to go to the other quarterbacks. The other quarterbacks didn't develop a rapport with him and he was lost. Remember? He was just buried. They're like, what happened to Jawan Johnson? He was great for those first three games and then disappeared. Well, part of that is developing rapport, but once again, learning a new position. We think of it from an outsider's point of view of, well, man, you're still catching the football. Well, it's completely different responsibilities. Different routes, learning different route trees, having to be a blocker as well, which is something that he's had to learn. Once again, he was a college-wide receiver. 
And he talked about the biggest thing he's learned this year playing the tight end position. You got to have an attitude. Um, to play this position, you can't be soft at all. I mean, you're going to be against some pretty good guys. And then from the secondary position, you're playing to get some pretty elite and athletic guys from the defensive side. So you really just got to have an attitude that you just can't be stopped. And you know, that's really why I, I try to, you know, get into not really hard just like you just got to be mad at him so if I just think of it as my enemy that's really how I try to approach it but ultimately just having an attitude and be willing to learn because obviously this is like my second year in this position so just being coachable um, I sit on any I'm not saying I don't know anything but um, it's still a very tough position you have to be really smart to play this position that sounds like a guy that's putting in the work doesn't it sounds like a guy that wants to be here Saints would do well to kind of lock up Jawan Johnson. He's got the potential. Really does. And if he's putting in the work and you're seeing it this year in a year of bad offense, but Jawan has been a bright spot for this offense, young man that's learning the position, you could lock him up and do so cheaply. And you could have your franchise tied in for, you know, the next five to six years. Maybe something they may want to explore in the offseason we got to take a timeout. But before we do, we'll unveil our poll question of the day. Every day this week, it's going to be Christmas-themed. Every day. And we're going to start off the week. By the way, update. Hannah's already taken off the knitted hat her mommy gave her and the heated jacket. Already. That didn't even wait till 6.30 before she started taking off layers. Because <laughs> it gets too warm in the producer studio. Poll question of the day. Do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? Now, when I was a kid, it was always real. Artificial tree was not allowed anywhere near our house. My grandparents put up a real tree. My old man would go get a real tree. I remember going with him. You'd have to put the little bit of like the sugar water in the bottom of the thing so it could, you know stay fresh and not just drop its needles everywhere. And sometimes we would get a frocked tree, which, you know, the fake snow on it as well. It was real tree, real tree, real tree until I was probably in high school and my parents shifted to buying an artificial tree. And I was like, oh, it's a bummer. Artificial tree is convenient. Is convenient because, well, it just is. But after you have one of those artificial trees, after about three or four years and taking them down and putting them up and taking them down and putting them up, they shed too. <laughs> the, the needles start to come off as well. And you have a mess and you're like, oh, I still have the mess. Still have the mess. So do you put up a real or an artificial tree? Some people put up multiple trees in their house. I've seen people have maybe like an artificial tree, a smaller artificial tree for like outside or right by their doorways, and then they still use a big, like, old-school fir tree inside the house. But some just go artificial. That's what we want to hear from you. Do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? Real, artificial, or both? Those are your options. 59% of you right now say artificial. 36% say real. 5% say both. Ton on Twitter has chimed in. I do both. I put up a real tree in the living room and an artificial tree in the kids' room. See? 
Ralph says, I think I was scarred as a kid growing up in the 60s. We had a tinfoil tree with the rotating kaleidoscope color wheel. It was not as pretty as this picture. (laughs) I shared a picture. I remember those trees. Oh, man, they still have those around. Ralph Bergeron says, real is the only answer. Squirrels can't live in artificial trees. Of course, Christmas vacation. Keep those votes coming. On our poll question of the day, do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? We're going to do Christmas-themed poll questions every day this week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It just only makes sense. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. So go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, Saints, they got a win. Great. But, man, there were some absolute banana games in the NFL this weekend and lots more to get to. We'll tackle that next with the weekend that was. That's coming up right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Whether you're working or helping your wife shop for curtains, serenity now! You'll be brought up to speed on the highlights you may have missed. Thank you, you've been heavy. Here is the weekend that was on RP3 and Company. Mac Hollins out on defense. He's all the way back. As Stevenson is is inside the 30, flips it back. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Uh Uh-oh. It's picked off. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. Have you ever seen an ending like that? I have never seen anything like that. I have no idea why he was doing that. Oh, my goodness. That was the end of the Patriots-Raiders game. I've never seen anything like that before. It is tied. It's a tied ball game. Patriots are driving. They don't need to do a lateral. They don't need to do anything. You can simply just play for overtime But they panic. They start laddering the football instead of just going down and going to overtime. And they throw it. And Chandler Jones, former New England Patriot, picks it up, runs over poor Mac Jones, the quarterback for the Patriots, and runs it in for a game-winning touchdown with no time on the clock. What? What? You just you just see them go. The Patriots, a lot of the Patriot players are like, what just happened? Mac Jones tried his best to tackle a big, humongous defensive end like Chandler Jones. It didn't work out too well for Mac Jones. Just unbelievable end. And Jones snags the lateral when they didn't even need to lateral the football and goes all the way. Unbelievable. (laughs) Stevenson took the handoff, found running room, and gained 23 yards on the play. Then he went off script, deciding to flip the ball backwards to Jacoby Myers, who was surprised that he had the football himself. And then he tried to keep the play alive because he was like, oh, okay. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're panicking. Okay. 
Then he tossed the ball across the field where defensive end Chandler Jones was just sitting there waiting. Jones afterwards, quote, at first I thought, who's around me? I felt myself stumble a little backwards, and I was thinking, who do I pitch it to? Jones grabbed Myers' bizarre, unnecessary lateral out of the air, stiff-armed Patriots quarterback Mac Jones to the turf, and returned it 48 yards for a touchdown. What are you doing? Oh, man. The Patri- uh, the Raiders had led 17-3 to at halftime before allowing the Patriots to score 21 straight points. 21 straight points. And they end up winning 30-24. to Unbelievable end to the Raiders-Patriots game. And the Patriots are a mess. Here's an idea. Just throwing it out there. Hear me out. It's a bold idea. Maybe a longtime defensive coach shouldn't be your offensive coordinator. Just throwing it out there. That Matt Patricia, failed NFL head coach of the Detroit Lions, the former longtime assistant under Bill Belichick as a defensive guy, including his defensive coordinator, is the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. Maybe, maybe just throwing it out there. Maybe that's not a great idea. But that wasn't the only absolute bananas game that happened over the weekend in the NFL because we had a triple header of action on Saturday as well. The Browns beating the Ravens with no Lamar Jackson, 13-3 game. Eh, that's not really bananas. That Dolphins-Bills game was a heck of an ending. Late field goal gives the Bills the victory over the Finns. But I did like what I saw out of Miami playing in the snow and playing hard in the snow which could bode well for their playoff chances. But the Colts-Vikings game. Indianapolis was up in this game. You want to know what the halftime score was for the Colts-Vikings game on Saturday? It looked like it was over. Dead and buried they were. 33 to nothing. It was 33 to nothing in favor of Indy. And what happened? What happened? Matt Ryan and the Colts found a way to choke it away, losing 39 to 36. Minnesota storms back in the second half, holds the Colts to only three points in the third quarter. Andy can't score in the fourth or in overtime. Kirk Cousins puts up 460 yards passing. 460. He was sacked seven times and still threw for 460 yards in this ballgame. Justin Jefferson, who got nicked up, banged up in this game. He had a very pedestrian game. Well, I'm sorry, no, he did. 12 catches for 123 yards. The Colts found a way to lose a game they were leading 33 to nothing 33 to nada that, that that's worse than 28 to 3 33 nothing you're leading what are you doing besides making poor decisions 
maybe hiring the guy that had no coaching experience. Maybe not the smartest move. Just going to throw it out there. Maybe not the smartest move. Largest comeback in NFL history, by the way, by the Minnesota Vikings. 39-36 win over the Colts. Now, Minnesota is still vulnerable and still is a team that I probably would not trust come postseason time. But a great comeback for them. Lions on Sunday, they beat the Jets. Detroit just keeps winning football games. And they've positioned themselves for the postseason. Moses Campos has arrived and is now doing, I want to say, an impression of a lion. There we go. All right. Figured that out. I was worried. (laughs) But can we talk about the Cowboys and the Jaguars? Can we talk about Big D? Oh, is this this, this their year? This is Dallas's year. Not so much. After struggling to beat the Texans the week prior, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, Jerry Jones's team, with their star defensive player talking smack about quarterbacks and offensive players and, you know, guys that are going to win MVP out of his division, couldn't beat Trevor Lawrence in his pretty hair on Sunday. Cowboys find a way to lose to Jacksonville. 40 to 34. The vaunted Cowboys defense gives up 40 points, a four touchdown performance to Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> they lost on a walk off pick six. That's how the Cowboys lost on a pick six. It was a ridiculous weekend. As a commander fan, Nothing makes me happier. My team lost last night to the Giants. Deservingly so. They lost. But you know what? The Giants are had the same record as Redskins slash football team slash commanders. So it's not as if we lost to one of the worst teams in the NFL. But old Dallas. Oh, Dallas. Big D, baby. Woo-hoo. Oh, man. Yeah. Let's get. Who's ready to see Dallas lose in the wild card round? Raise your hand. <laughs> this team lost on a walk-off pick six. Oh, my goodness. What a weekend. And one final note about the weekend. It was a great weekend of NFL action. Plenty of close games, interesting games. Joey B, Joe Cool, Burrow and the Bengals down 17 to 3 at halftime. And you know what they did? They came right back in Tampa Bay and told Tom Brady, have a seat. You're not as good as this team. 34 23 win, a dominant second half. Burrow just goes absolutely off in the second half as they rally to take down the Tampa Bay Bucks, So, Burrow, Chase, and the Bengals rally down by two touchdowns to beat the Bucks in the second half. Raiders went on an unexpected lateral for no good reason. 
That's <laughs> just what. Cowboys lose on a pick six to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Detroit Lions won. And the Colts blow a 33-0 lead to the Minnesota Vikings. Got to love the NFL. Got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one. That's all coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. Do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? Right now, 66% of you say artificial. 31% say real. 3% say both. I like that. Hart on the Twitters says, artificial, a.k.a. fake, like the pass interference calls yesterday on Matthew and Taylor. I feel like a Scrooge for complaining because we won. But can you just get one fairly officiated game? Hart, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. You won the game. 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 It's freaking Christmas, dude, and you won the game. Come on, man. Unbelievable. You know what? I'm going to wait to like that comment just because you want to be Scroogey. John Paul Cajun Daddy says... We put at IP the fake on the real trees just get more and more expensive every year. $80 for a two-foot tree. Wow. Yeah, the our tree that we have now was actually a hand-me-down from somebody else because they bought a new tree, and I was like, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> I was like, I'll take that. I, that way I don't have to go drop hundreds of dollars on a new tree. Salty Steve says, ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Marvin Gaye. Oh, and Tammy. That's a good That's a good song. Dak Cajun says, real trees belong outside all caps and four explanation points. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? That's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We're going to follow the lead here of our guy, Salty Steve. Listener of the show, fan of the show, volume commentator on the poll question. Steve does a thing where on Fridays he says, hashtag no salt Friday, which means no negativity. My man has decided to do it all week long. Says, tis the season to be jolly. No salt week for me. Merry Christmas to you, your family, and your radio family. Shout out to Steve. Shout out to Steve for that. Thank you. We should all take that. We should all embrace that 
We shouldn't spend our time this week complaining about loved ones being loud at a family get-together or the fact that we lost a fantasy football matchup or that our team on the last play of the game had their wide receiver mean mugged and somewhat assaulted by a Giants defensive back. None of that will happen. None of that will happen. It'll be nothing but positivity today. We got the Christmas music all week. We got Christmas poll questions. We got a good one this morning. Do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? Yes or no? Or both? Now, when I was a kid, we would we would always go and pick out our real tree. Now, sometimes we would get it with the fake snow on there. Other times we'd go with just a real tree. My grandparents, they always did the real tree. My grandmother from Germany was not rocking an artificial tree. No, 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 there was none of that. Even till the day she died, my old man still had to go out and get a real tree <laughs> every year. Grandma was not having an artificial tree up in her house. Not, new, not happening. Tell you that right now. Not happening. And you decorate. You go with the real tree because it smells, right? It smells like it's out of the forest. But then it also sheds. And then it sits out on the curb for weeks until the trash man comes and picks up the brown tree that's out there on the curb. Now, that's how my childhood was. Real tree, real tree, real tree. Until my parents got an artificial tree. And then we switched. Because at the time, it was cheaper. I think they got like the artificial tree discounted or something like that on sale. So we just put up the artificial tree. And then that kind of became the family tradition. Now, I love the smell of a real tree. I do. It is preferred, but it is more convenient to do the artificial tree. Now, some people still do both. As we found out with some comments on our poll question of the day. Some still put up a real tree and an artificial tree which I like. Let's get to some comments. Mr. Green has chimed in, a.k.a. Jamie. He's Jamie this week because school's out. Last day was Friday. We get a real tree every year. We have an artificial tree for the porch, but I still have to rewire it. Hopefully it'll be done for next year. (laughs) Sometimes you can get the artificial tree that has the lights already part of it. Right? The problem with that is you'll have a section of it go out. So you'll have, oh, look, look at the nice lights on the tree, and all of a sudden it's darkness. (laughs) So then you have to go get another string of lights and put it in the middle so you don't have the big black hole there inside your tree. It's a whole thing, man. Mr. Green says, I don't know who's overcharging you, John Paul Cajun Daddy. Belows has two-foot trees for like $15. My seven-footer this year would have run me $85, but with cats and an almost two-year-old, decided the tiny tree was the route to go this year. That's the other part of it. Animals. Animals love knocking down the tree. Thankfully, in our house, they don't. Because we established with our dog, she'll go over there and she'll try to sniff by the tree, and she's like, oh, no. But we've also put up like a barrier of stuff around the tree. (laughs) 
to keep the animals from it. But got some good comments so far on this. Once again, do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? Right now, 63% of you say artificial. 34% say you're still doing it old school, real style. 3% of you say both. Because there are occasions where you can have the small artificial tree for the kid. You have the big real tree in the living room, the family room, right? Or maybe you have a little artificial tree outside by your front door. I've seen that a lot. And some people have multiple trees, multiple trees. But, man, I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about going back and getting a real tree again because that'd be, well, awesome. Let's get to some comments on Facebook. Edward Purvis says, artificial. Blaine Smith says, first time in probably 12 years, I haven't put up a real tree. Got artificial this year. It can be convenient, but you do they do shed as well. You drop those needles every year. Every year I get the artificial tree out of the box, and there's needles in the bottom. So it can be convenient. And speaking of trees, Ms. Five Names, would you like to tell the people about what we have going on on social media? Because we shared photos of trees. We'd like to hear from the people out there, correct? Yes. So there is a post on Facebook, on Twitter, and also on Instagram. Oh, on the gram. Yes. On the gram. They are all pinned to the top of our page. There is a picture. There's four pictures. There is one of... Matt Miguez, one of James Mesh, one of myself, and one of the RP3's Christmas trees at home. Of course, I tried to block and put use the numbers to block anything that could defer you to pick which one they would be because certain things could go, oh, ask me down to these two people or these three people. So try to block those out. So they are numbered one through four. We will not reveal it until our Tuesday show next week on December 27th. But voting has already started. It started when we posted it on, I believe, Saturday. And so it will go on until 6 a.m. on December 26th for you to vote on either of the platforms to vote which tree is the best tree. And we'll see whoever wins. It's going to be bragging rights. Nothing you're really going to win anything but bragging rights for that. It's bragging rights, but, but <laughs> someone... How do I say this? So three of the four trees were actually decorated by the people that work here at the game. And there's one tree that I'm fairly for certain was decorated by someone's mom. Yeah. Now, we did put that disclaimer on there. We didn't make that a thing that you actually had to take part in help decorating said tree. It's just your family tree, right? So, yes. I, you know. We'll deal with that at a later date. Just say it. Just say it. I feel like we should also, since it's like Christmas, should we touch on our get to know the game we put up, Raymond? Oh, get to know the game? Yes. Do people really want to know? Do they want to get to know us? I feel like they do. If they didn't, I feel like they wouldn't bring us stuff. The get to know the game. That's right. All right. Our favorite Christmas songs. That's the one that's up right now. And we have some interesting selections here. And uh, we're, we've shared that as well. And we'll share it again on our social media platforms. We'll, we'll get more to Christmas music when we get a little bit closer to Christmas Eve. Because there's some 
I'm just going to say interesting decisions made on your top five Christmas <laughs> songs list. I am the oldest person. I'm not even the oldest person at the station, yet I have the old man list. Yeah. And I have no problem with that, by the way. Sorry. But we asked everyone, what are your top five favorite Christmas songs? You buy not even close. It's not even close. No. You buy a country mile have the most unique top five. So much so that other people are like, what is that? Who is that? What is that about? What is that about? So we'll also share that. We'll reshare that on our social media platforms as well and get to that this week. Once again, all Christmas music this week. Our poll questions will be all Christmas. We're only going to go through Thursday because Friday we're all for the holiday. We're all Thursday, we're all Friday and Monday. Um, Friday this week, Monday of next week. So we'll have the four-day holiday weekend. But we'll be back better than ever. Love to hear from you. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. You want to talk about, do you go real or artificial with the tree? Do you do both? You want to talk about the weekend that occurred in the NFL? Saints get a win over the Dirty Birds. Huge deal for them. They sweep the rivalry series this year. Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael actually utilized, wait for it, their weapons. Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Juwan Johnson, they used them, and guess what? They won the game, 21-18. It's amazing how that works when you actually utilize the talented players you have on your roster. It's amazing. It's amazing how that works. And look, they have some nice young pass catchers on this team. We've talked a lot about Chris Olave. That's a guy that's going to earn all rookie honors this year. But Rashid Shahid is another guy that they got. He's young. Jawan Johnson's only in his second year. He's young, former Oregon wide receiver turned tight end. They have some young guys in that receiving core that could do some damage moving forward. And Andy Dalton, after yesterday's game, where they were able to hold on and win 21-18, you know, he talked about the young pass catchers that the Saints have. Yeah, I think, like I was saying about Jawan, is he's playing with a ton of confidence, but I think we have a lot of guys that are playing with a ton of confidence. And it is a young group out there. And, I mean, it's exciting because each week we feel like they're getting better. They're able to do some some new things and um, some explosive plays out there. I mean, I've talked about Jawan, but... I mean, Rashid has shown up a, a, a ton too with I mean, his long touchdown today uh, from Taysom. I mean, that's, uh, you know, we've, we've got some weapons. They do. And they have some young guys that have stepped up in a year where injuries have taken away the guys everyone expected to be in the mix, expected to kind of lead the way. They've been able to count on some younger guys. And that's great for this team moving forward that these guys are developing quickly. For this, for this team. Defense, look, they struggled against the run. Falcons were able to gash them on the ground. They did a nice job against Desmond Ritter, taking the rookie quarterback, frustrating him all game long. And late, they got the turnover right. Evans punches the ball out, and Bradley Roby was there to recover it, to kind of seal the deal. And the veteran cornerback talked about that final turnover of the game. 
It felt good, you know, because the, towards the end of the game, you know, uh, it was slowing up and they were starting to catch up. And, uh, you know, I hadn't really done too much most of the game, kind of in and out. And uh, I just kept telling myself, like, man, you're going to make a play. You're going to make a play. You're going to make a play. And uh, I didn't make, really make the play. Justin made a great play, uh, caught the ball across the middle, got a good hit on him, and the ball just came right to me. And uh, I thought about trying to return it, but I was just like, man, let's just get out of here with this win. And that's what happened. And Bradley also talked about what did it mean to them. Once again, this team's not going anywhere. This team's not making the playoffs, right? But sweeping a divisional rival is something that you can kind of hang your hat on and maybe try to finish the season strong. They still got the Browns this week on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day this coming week. And then it's at they're at Cleveland at Philly. <laughs> and then have to come home and take on Carolina. Oh, they very well could have lost. They won their last game. But they did get to sweep the Dirty Birds, and Bradley talked about that. It was good. It's a rival. You know, I'm from Atlanta, but they were never like my favorite team. So, uh, you know, I don't like them either, you know. And uh, I'm just glad that. You know, last year we uh, we lost to them, and uh, this year it was good to uh, sweep your sweep your rivals. Is always a good feeling. Just got to do it every year, man. You know, every year, that's the goal. It's also the goal to win more than you know five games. So sweeping the dirty birds, it's a good thing. I'm not trying to be the Grinch here. I'm just saying it's good. It's good to win, and maybe this gives them a little bit of a spark, right? Beating Philly and Philly's gonna be tough. But Cleveland barely scored any points against Baltimore. And the Ravens didn't even have Lamar Jackson in that game. They could go up and beat Cleveland, even though the Browns traditionally have kind of had the Saints number. They could win that game. And maybe they end the season with a win against the Panthers. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Paul to the show. Paul, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, bud? Oh, nothing much. Hey, I definitely don't worry. We all family with y'all. We know y'all very well. What didn't decorate that tree, huh? Say what now? The, the tree over that foot didn't decorate that, huh? I know we 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 don't have a a, a tree from foot in that in that. Kevin's not uh, part of it. We we y- y'all don't want him to decorate a tree. That's gonna be all messed up. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> you don't trust me on that. Oh man, I can't believe. It. I don't think the man believes in Santa Claus ever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm curious. I, I do want to thank all my teams, Knicks, and those teams that won and lost, especially them cowgirls, but. I want to know about your team. I've been wanting to ask you that. How you feel about your quarterback, Heineken, and your yeah. team? Like, like, I think y'all got something there, but what y'all missing? Quarterback. I, I just you don't like that. No, no. He's he he he's okay. He he's gutty, and I think you can. I think you you're seeing that, and you can win some games with that guy, right? He's, mm-hmm. but he's playing above his weight class. If that makes any sense, right? Yeah, so yeah, okay. I, I think he's a better option than Wentz because Wentz just crumbles, right? So it's the right. best option. I think he's the type of quarterback that Riverboat Ron likes to have, right? Because he's a defensive-minded guy, so he just wants a guy that can go out there and hand the ball off. Uh, right. yeah. You know, I, look, they're building something. They built up through the draft across the line of scrimmage. They have some 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 guys, but they're uh, – they're okay. I, I definitely mm-hmm. see them playing better since it looks like the NFL is going to force Daniel Snyder to sell the team. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there seems yeah. to be a different team sense. playing. But I don't know. I you know 
they need more. They they have a couple good playmakers on the outside, right? With right. Uh, Jackson and McLaren, so they got some guys there. Ryan Robinson Jr., tough kid. Mm-hmm. They can run the football. They just need right. a couple more guys, maybe another linebacker, another DB, some other. But look, Heineke's only going to get you so much, right? He's he's mm-hmm. the ceiling is what it is on him. He's a gutty okay. kid though. Some bad play calling yesterday, bad decision making, the two point conversion. I, yeah. yeah. You know. I mean, because do you think he's better than um, Daniel Jones? I don't know. You know, I I, I think Daniel's he probably is? a little bit better. I think Daniel's a little bit better athlete and can okay. bring and bring something a little bit more dynamic there. And look, Daniel Jones. Look, I've, I've been critical of him before. He made some throws yesterday. He he did. Yeah. And yeah. But the thing with Daniel Jones is that he's never that consistent, right? When you watch Daniel right. Jones play, you'll have one game where he looks really good, and then he'll have mm-hmm. two or three where he's just mediocre. Right. That's right. what he. That's what he that. is. Right. That's what he is. I, I don't get. It. I mean, I, I think I just don't see. I like your quarterback, man. He's a winner. He's a winner. Since he's been in the game, y'all have came back, and y'all right there for the wild card. You know, y'all in the hunt. I mean, he's a winner, man. I like him, man. I just don't know what y'all – is it the coach? It's something y'all missing, man. But I think y'all got something over there in Washington, man. I don't know what it is y'all missing, but y'all got something, bro. I appreciate that, bud. I appreciate right, that. Def- definitely. You have a good one, RP3. You too, brother. Okay, we have some clarification. Christmas Eve, they're going to play on Saturday, the Saints are, against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, look, my commanders – that they are building something there. I've always been a fan of Riverboat Ron. Defense, they've been building. Offense, they got some guys on the outside. They got a really, I'm really high on Robinson. I think he's a really good young running back. I like Heineke, okay? But whether it's the play calling at times or just maybe they need to work on beefing up the offensive line, something's just a little off there when it comes to offensively to what Washington brings to the table. And look, that was going to be a coin flip game. And look, they're seven, six, and one. So, you know, way beyond my expectations for what I thought. But they seemingly have rallied and done a nice job of playing better since the news was announced that Daniel Snyder is being forced to sell the team. They are one, three, and one in the division, though. Now, to be fair, the division has the Philadelphia Eagles. So, and I kept getting told when he was in college, and I've been told since he's been a pro that, you know, Jalen Hurts is, you know, I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. Well, I think, I think we can go ahead and just say Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback. I'll just go ahead and say that. Go take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up. Keep those phone calls coming. If you like, game hotline 337 That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants 
with pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the biggest names in today's music are taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023. Hangout Fest returns May 19th to the 21st with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Little Nas X, and so much more. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has VIP passes to Hangout Fest. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. VIP access gives you exclusive access to viewing areas, stage side pools, hot tubs, and even some gourmet food. Hello, you can have a good time. Be the king of Hangout Fest or the queen. Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like no other. To find out more or to enter to win, go visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Before we bring on Jeff Palermo to talk all things LSU, which will be in a few moments, let's talk about some news that happened over the weekend concerning the LSU Tigers. They added in the transfer portal Aaron Anderson, New Orleans native, left Alabama, entered the transfer portal this offseason. And what do they get? Well, they get a former top 100 prospect to help at wide receiver. And you know what else Aaron does really well? He also can help out in the return game which is something that they struggled with this year. So this is what it's going to look like for LSU next season at wide receiver. Kayshawn Butte, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr., Kyron Lacey, Chris Hilton Jr., Landon Ayabita, and then Aaron Anderson. Through the portal, high school signees, Shelton Sampson Jr., Jalen Brown, Kyle Parker, Kai Preen. Nine of the 11 wide receivers projected to be on the roster from the state of Louisiana. It's a huge pickup to get Aaron Anderson. You get him from a rival. You bring him back home, an in-state prospect. Oh, not only that, he can help as your return guy, which was a huge deficiency for this team this year. But that wasn't the only news this weekend involving LSU wide receiving core. Jack Besh. As we know, the former STM Cougar, he put his name into the transfer portal after two years at LSU, the former STM Cougar and LSU star. He made his decision on where he's going to go. He's headed to Fort Worth. Jack has now committed to go play for the TCU Horn Frogs, a team that's in the college football playoff. He's going to try to help them next year. Now, they'll be making a change at quarterback. Max Duggan announced that he's going to be preparing for the NFL draft after the college football playoff. He's not going to come back for another year, which is to be expected, the Heisman runner-up. But Jack Besh quickly found a home, and he tweeted it out over the weekend. I guess that purple didn't want to leave me just yet. Time to rock. Committed to TCU. So, LSU gets a wide receiver in the transfer portal from Alabama who can also help with the turn game. And one of our local guys, Jack Besh, who entered into the transfer portals, found a new home, didn't 
go inside the conference, decided to go outside of the SEC, nearby TCU, where he'll continue his collegiate career. So congrats on Jack, and best of luck with his new team. We've got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk to Jeff Palermo, co-host of Tiger Ag Radio. We'll talk about the transfer portal. We'll talk about all the offers that are being doled out by Brian Kelly and his staff. Once again, early signing period starts this week. Yeah, it's weird, right? It's, you're preparing for Christmas. Oh, and by the way, National Signing Day is going to be Wednesday, Thursday, early for football this week. We'll talk about that and more with Jeff. That's coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. It's like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, you can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics like that one or some even local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at LAChristmasChannel.com. That's LAChristmasChannel.com. Or simply download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. You can also listen on your Amazon Alexa. That's the Louisiana Christmas Channel. So get your holiday cheer on right now, courtesy of the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Once again, go to LAChristmasChannel.com or download the free mobile app. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Every poll question of the day this week is going to be Christmas-themed, of course. Christmas is this week. We're going to be off this Friday and next Monday for the holiday weekend. So get those answers Get your comments in on the poll question of the day. Our first one this week is, do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? 55% of you say artificial. 40% say real. 5% of you are bold enough to say both. You do both. Keep those votes coming. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Right now, though, it's time for us to talk all things LSU with the man who co-hosts Tiger Rag Radio. Our good friend Jeff Palermo joins us now. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing well, Raymond. How you doing? Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas to you and yours as well, brother. So let's start off with LSU football team. We have early signing period this week, right before Christmas, which seems weird. And and we have NCAA transfer portal. And the Tigers, I believe, are going to be very active with both. We already know about the young man coming over from Alabama the former New Orleans uh, prep star coming back home, so to speak, to play for LSU. How big of a deal is it getting him out of the portal from Alabama, nonetheless? Well, this was what uh, Coach Brian Kelly talked about doing, is getting more kids back uh, from Louisiana. And this is a uh, big-time receiver. I I mean, he was uh, sensational at Edna Carr. Um, You know, next season, you know, he might not necessarily have a big year because – Obviously, Kayshawn and Malik and Brian Thomas, those three guys right there are very well established. But 
once those three guys go, I mean, he'll become, you know, one of the top wide receivers for him. And so uh, give the man credit for kind of um, not, uh, you know, coming, coming to LSU, recognizing, hey, uh, I might not have a breakout season next year just because of uh, all the talents there, but um, I can learn from some uh, – I, I can compete against some other really good wide receivers, and I go to a program where, hey, maybe in uh, 2024, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the top guy. I'm the guy that uh, they'll, they'll feature the passing game around, and, and I think he's, he brings that kind of possibility to LSU. Not to mention that he can make an impact directly immediately next year because of what he can do in the return game. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I, I think they'll need a lot more than just, you know, returners. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things that need to be worked on when it comes uh, to special teams, but that was uh, certainly a significant issue during the season. And, and I would imagine they'll try out several other guys, and I think you'll see uh, even some other guys that um, – will have an opportunity to uh, fill those roles. How active do you believe they're going to be here during the early signing period? Because it feels like they're going to be really active, like the majority of their class is going to be signed during this period. That's how it feels to me. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I think that's the the, the nature of it now, that uh, you get most of the heavy lifting here, and then you have, well, you don't have the hard cap necessarily anymore as far as just signing 25 players or so, but uh, that leaves you, I, I'm guessing, you know, seven or eight guys that they would still look to sign by the time the uh, National Signing Day rolls around again in February. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're doing most of the heavy lifting here. I think they'll have a pretty good idea of um, what their roster will look like, and then you know, once they get the signees to in, uh, they can really, uh, I think they can really then just uh, look and, and try to fill some holes that they, they need to fill um, at, at various positions, whether that's uh, tight end, uh, whether that's in the defensive secondary, um, you know, and, you know, wherever they feel like they need to uh, add some more talent, they'll fill it in. I, I really think like the, the, February signing day is now just much more about your mid-majors and you certainly your FCS schools because right. all of these um, Power 5 schools, it's all about the transfer portal. It's all about, um, you know, finding these guys that, um, you know, and then obviously signing your, your elite recruits and then these, you know, your, 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 your guys below the elite crews, they just kind of have to just wait out this uh, first wave and kind of wait till uh, February before they really sign somewhere. Do you expect this roster to have Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, and Walker Howard on it next fall? You know what? I, I, I'm going to say yes. Um, now, well, I, I, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I think you will see that. You know, I was thinking. You know, what happens maybe in the spring? I mean, I think Garrett Nussmeyer recognizes where he's at right now. Um, I, I think it's pretty fairly obvious that Jaden Daniels is not heading into the NFL draft. Um, so I think he recognizes that uh, Daniels is back again next season. Uh, so I, I I think he sticks it out now. 
uh, if he gets, you know, if maybe maybe his mind changes around spring, you know, right? You go through spring practice, and he just kind of sits there and says, you know what? Maybe I don't. I, I don't want to go somewhere else. But to me, I think if you're a if you're a quarterback looking to get somewhere else, I, I think you make your move earlier than later. Right. Um, I, I, I think it, the later you do it, uh, you find yourself uh, kind of in the same, you know, wherever you go, you're going to find yourself in the same situation that you're in at this point. Um, you know, you, you would want to compete. Now, we'll see. Uh, maybe January 3rd or January 4th, uh, he, he, you know, puts out the Instagram post or the Twitter post and says, thanks, LSU, and I'm out of here. But, I don't know. I, I think he would have. I think he would have made that decision by now. They're preparing for a Purdue team in the bowl game that I'm not for sure who's even going to play, right? Because the new coach, quarterbacks declared declared for the draft. One of their best wide receivers is declared for the draft. How does Brian Kelly and his team prepare for a team that's going to have so many question marks? I mean, it's. I don't want to say it's. Um, you know, uh, a reversal of last year because LSU was really depleted. But, um, you know, he, he hit on this a little bit on Saturday that you know, even though LSU is now a two-touchdown favorite and Purdue's playing without its top three offensive players, he's expecting a, you know Purdue to give a good effort. And, and if you go back to that Texas Bowl last year, I mean, LSU, you couldn't you – couldn't, sit there and criticize the effort that they had against Kansas State. They just didn't have the players. They didn't have a quarterback. Uh, The guy that will be the quarterback uh, against LSU has played this season. He started a game against Florida Atlantic earlier this year, so um, they they got some tape on him. They they understand uh, this is an opportunity for some guys on that Purdue roster that hasn't uh, played. They'll get an opportunity. So I think Brian Kelly will get these guys fired up. I think you're also talking about a team that's lost two in a row that really wants to finish this season out on the on the right note. And I agree with you. I feel like that right note, getting to ten wins, it just sounds right. It, it just you can say, oh, we won the division, we won ten games in year one. Like that just sounds so much better than saying that you're a nine win team. It, it sounds silly. I, I get it, but. Like you said, after back-to-back losses, uh, being able to end the season with a win and get to 10 wins I think is a huge deal for this program moving forward. Oh, no doubt about it. And it's not it's not more than, you know, the uh, 10 more than 9, I think it's to sit there and say we didn't have five losses, too. You know, right. Five losses seems like a lot a lot during the season. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's – I think – and. The fact that um, you know you got you guys you got guys like Jaden and Kayshawn playing in this game give you an idea that um, they really want to you know come out and, and win this game and and take care of business in this one. Let's switch over to men's basketball. They wrap up their non-conference slate at home tomorrow against. I'm sorry, not tomorrow. They're going to wrap up their non-conference slate on Wednesday against East Tennessee State. They're 10-1, the lone loss being against Kansas State. I know they haven't played a bunch of world beaters, but they have an opportunity to get to 11-1 before the Christmas break, before having to start conference play later this month on the 28th against Arkansas, a good Arkansas team. 
I know it's important to get that win to build up some more 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 momentum. What's the thing that stood out to you more than anything, Jeff, about what Matt McMahon is doing with the men's basketball team? Well, what I kind of have seen is, you know, different guys have kind of stepped up at different phases, you know, or, you know, in different, different games that have really played well. Uh, you know, Cam Hill uh, in this last game having a huge game. Early on it was Adam Miller. Uh, K.J. Williams has been fairly consistent on the season. Uh, Derek Fountain had a couple of good games. You know, there are certain guys that are that have emerged a little bit um, and then play well. I mean, it, it's still just so tough to really get a grasp of just how good this team can be. I mean, I, I think they're probably around a 500 team in the SEC. I, I, it's kind of what I see. I think they'll be a team that's going to compete pretty hard. Um, they may have a couple nights where it just uh, it, it, it doesn't look good at all. Uh, they may beat a team or two that you don't expect them to beat, but I, I think they're going to go out there and and you know compete. And uh, you know that that's just kind of what you, I think what you're you're looking for with Matt McMahon uh, in his first year is to to uh, show that uh, this is going to be a program that's just not going to. Uh, roll over, go through the emotions. They're going to come in prepared. They're going to fight. Uh, and, you know, they played some close games here, too. And, and I think uh, they, they have found themselves behind in games, and they figured out the way to win them. Um, so, you know, they've been, they've been tested in a, a variety of ways. They just haven't gone up against elite, elite talent. But uh, they'll get back to start of SEC play. I mean, it's, it's very difficult, the first few games of uh, league action that they have to go through. All right, bud, we'll get you out of here with this. Real tree or fake tree in the player mo household? What do you go with? Well, uh, it, it's it's fake. Uh, you know, as a kid, I always had real trees. But, man, I don't know if I can do it with, with my sinus issues now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be it's got to be artificial. But there's nothing like when you kind of walk by that or, you know, you see that real tree and the smell of it and stuff like that. But I don't know if I could be around it you know, <laughs> 12 hours out of the day. I understand, brother. understand. Look, Jeff, appreciate your time, my friend. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Uh, next couple Mondays, you'll have it off, man. We'll be uh, off the air for the holidays, but we'll talk to you after the new year begins. Brother, enjoy the holidays, my friend. All right, Raymond, you too. Thanks a lot. It's Jeff Palermo co-host of Tiger Rag Radio, also the news and sports director from the Louisiana Radio Network, joining us there, talking all things LSU. we got to take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day and wrap up our number two with also some news about the Houston Astros. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. I could listen to Nat King Cole all the time. All the time. That's Christmas to me. Growing up, on my going to my grandparents' house at 2554 Morningside Drive. We'd go every Christmas Eve. That was when they did the big thing. My German grandmother, she loved. And on the record player, I'm dating myself, on the record player <laughs> was Nat King Cole and Bing Crosby. Yeah, that, that's, that's Christmas to me. It's Christmas to me. And I've passed it down. So that's I control the Christmas music in our household. Yes. Just letting everyone know. I control the Christmas music in our household. 
Poll question of the day. Do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? 56% of you say artificial. Well, that's changed. Oh, got some more votes. 55% say artificial. 40% say real. 5% say both. Let's get to some new comments. JPK, the OD, says, real tree all the way. Smells like Christmas. Then we cut a piece off the bottom and make an ornament for next year. Ooh, with a family picture on it. I love that idea. A soldering iron and a little varnish later, instant family heirloom. We do have a fake one because we usually put up two in the house. <laughs> so he does both, yes. JPK, the OD, yes, does both. Outstanding. I love that idea, though. You cut off part of it and make it into an ornament. That's amazing. I love that idea. I'm going to steal that idea. Ton on Twitter says, don't worry, I'll be salty enough for both of us at Steve. <laughs> Refs suck. Saints still look like trash. Cowboys and Bucks were just pathetic. Pills look to be returning to Earth. Astros overpaid. Did I miss anyone? Dang, Ton. It's Christmas, bud. If you know Ton, if you personally know Ton, you are being instructed. You have a goal, a mission, right here, right now, to give that man a hug. Send him well wishes. Text him. Send him some type of hug emoji, an e-card, something, because my man needs a pick-me-up. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Jay Walker talking Cajuns. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. on this Monday, December 19th edition of RP3 and Company. Oh, we're feeling holly and jolly. Christmas is here. We got a bowl game as well, featuring the Louisiana Raging Cajuns on Friday. Chilly weather. What is there not to like? What is not to be happy about? Poll question of the day. Everyone will be Christmas-related. Our poll question today is about Do you go with a real tree or an artificial Christmas tree? Or do you actually put up both in your household? Right now, 55% of you say artificial, 40% say real, 5% say both. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to talk Louisiana Raging Cajuns. That's right. Coach Dez's team gearing up for the Independence Bowl in Shreveport on Friday against the University of Houston Cougars. And to break it down for us is our good friend, the voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, joins us now. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I am uh, just wonderful. Got lots to do today before hitting the road tomorrow, but uh, I will be up for the challenge. I will get it done. And, um, yeah. Up for the challenge. Now, are you, because of what's happening – are you going to Austin and then going to be going to Shreveport? Is that how that's going to work? 
Yeah, I'm leaving for Austin tomorrow. Uh, I'll do the game Wednesday night, and as soon as the game is over, I will drive to Shreveport. Um, we've got uh, a few things going on there on Thursday, uh, and then, of course, Friday is uh, is the game, and then I'll be home about uh, 9 o'clock Friday night. Let's start with the men's basketball team first, Jay, because uh, I got to see them up close and personal um last week that was thursday night there in the legacy center versus the mcneese cowboys a spirited effort by mcneese but the cajuns were able to pull away with the 78 to 70 victory uh what do you make of what you saw from the cajuns on the road against an opponent that really played up maybe even played a little above their weight class so to speak to when the cajuns came to town yeah, I, you know, I think, first of all, that, that that's the first thing, is McNeese played extremely well. I mean, look, we had we had seen them, and, and, you know, not to disparage them, but they're not a very good team, but they played like a good team the other night. And uh, I think they showed themselves how good they can be as they get ready to, to start Southland Conference play. Um, I thought they did a very good job, McNeese did, on the offensive boards. Uh, I think that's two games in a row now that the Cajuns have given up way too many offensive rebounds. Uh, but, you know, the Cajuns were down uh, by as many as eight, had a 13 to nothing run, took a lead into the locker room, never lost the lead uh, in, the, in the second half, although McNeese did tie the game and had the ball, but Terrence Lewis took a charge. Cajuns got a three on the other end, and, and that was the end of that. Cajuns can play better. They're going to need to play better. Uh, but I thought that was a very spirited game, and then I thought McNeese played well. It's also I could look at it as as well. Look, the level of competition is about to increase greatly when they go to Austin for Wednesday night's game. There's no question there. But to go on the road and be tested by a team that is is below you, so to speak, that can also serve as a great wake up call and kind of refocus this team as they head on the road and have to play a, t- a far tougher foe this Wednesday, right, Jay? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'll go along with that. You know, I, you never know, okay? You know, if I would have asked every player, were you looking ahead a little bit to Texas, they all would have said no, okay? And at the same time, eh, they would be human if they, you know, were looking to Texas a little bit. And so, you know, you take that into consideration, but, but the reality is, the Cajuns are going to have to be a lot better basketball team on Wednesday than they were against McNeese if they're going to have any chance to win a game on Wednesday night. What do you think, besides the offensive rebounding, what do you what do you think is going to be the key Wednesday night in that matchup against the Longhorns? You know, I, Texas, um, it, it, they shoot it well from the floor. They're not a great three-point shooting team. They're not a great free-throw shooting team. But you know, Chris Beard's the head coach, even though he's not there right now. And one thing that his teams always do is they turn you over. And uh, they're forcing almost 18 turnovers a game. They are plus seven per game in turnover margin. That's a huge number. And uh, so, the you know, I think one of the big keys for the Cajuns is going to be taking care of the basketball. There's going to be a lot of onus on the Cajun point guards on Wednesday. Then after that, it's going to be the break and then conference play. I know it's looking ahead a little a little early, Jay, but you know when you see this conference now with the new teams added, I mean, just how deep and how difficult is the Sunbelt Conference going to be this season? You know, the, the conference isn't going to get its due, okay, because you're only as good as the bottom of your league, and, and there are some teams at the bottom 
that just aren't good. Okay, that that are that are just really not good. Um, but you know, I think right now you could break the league down into three groups, and that top group probably has five teams in it. Um, and that's uh, Marshall and uh, God, I'm doing this off the top of my head. Marshall, the Cajuns, uh, Southern Miss. I'm going to uh, include James Madison in there. And I think I'm going to include Troy also. Their record not quite as good, but they played a, they played a, a solid schedule. Um, and then, you know, you've got Old Dominion right there along with Troy. So those teams are all pretty good. And I think uh, any one of the, the five or six that I mentioned could win the regular season, you know, especially if somebody gets hot or somebody has an unfortunate injury or whatever. Um, you know, I think the Cajuns have a good basketball team, but man, I'll tell you what, you know, James Madison and Marshall are both really good. And um, it's going to, it's going to be a fun conference season. We're talking with Jay Walker, voice of the raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP three and company national signing day. Early period is here. Do you expect to have maybe more players signed during the early period than maybe in years past for this uh, raging Cajuns football team? Yeah, I think this has become like the signing day now. Um, you know, they, they decided they were going to have two of them, but everybody loads up in the first one now. And uh, so, you know, that's where all of the emphasis will be. You're probably going to see um, the Cajuns sign a, you know, a handful in the spring. But, yeah, the bulk of them are going to happen on Wednesday. And that's not just true for the Cajuns. That's true for everybody. Yeah, it does feel like the traditional signing day period in February is now going to be designated for FCS schools, right? And and a couple of guys here and there, but it sure does seem like it has shifted that way. And that's a heck of a balancing act for Coach Des and his staff as they prepare for a game on Friday, the week of Christmas, while also dealing with National Signing Day and making sure guys are signed on the bottom line. Um, I, I know he's been preparing for this, but and it's a good problem to have, but, man, it can be a challenging week with everything else going on. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure his staff's uh, got stock in no-dos uh, because they hadn't gotten a whole lot of sleep in the last week and a half, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, you know, it just adds, it just adds one more thing to, to what you got to do. And, you know, I think the good news is this game falls in the second week, well, you know, toward the end of the first week, actually, a bowl week. The bad news is – it falls toward the end of the first week on bowl week, which means it's uh, after signing day. But, uh, hey, it is what it is. got to go get it done either way. Speaking of getting it done, they'll have to play a game on Friday. Conditions could be cold. They're going to be playing against a quality opponent. I know the last time we talked last week, Jay, you said you were going to do some research on seeing who Houston was actually going to have and how many guys they had leaving, whether it was the transfer portal or just opting out for the draft. What can you tell us? Uh, how many men down is Houston going to be? None. Um, they've now they've got a guy that's that's injured, but he's been injured for a while, and they have a guy who uh, entered the transfer portal, but he's you know he's like the third or fourth string quarterback. No, they're going to be at full strength. Um, it was I think there are some folks that are a little surprised. Because I think there were a lot of people that thought that Clayton Toon, uh, their quarterback, and Nathaniel Dell, their leading receiver, thought that they might opt out and go do something else. But both of them said they're going to play. Uh, and, um, look, this is a very, very 
very, did I say very? Good offensive football team. Um, Toon has thrown for over 3,800 yards. He's thrown for 37 touchdowns. Dell has caught 103 balls, uh, 1,354 yards. He's got 15 touchdowns receiving, and one is a punt returner. He's a dynamic player. Toon actually is tied for the team lead in rushing, and they're averaging more than four and a half yards a carry. They've scored less than 30 points one time this year, and that was in a loss to Tulane when they scored, I think, 24, but came up short. Um, This is a team that, uh, look, they can play pinball football sometimes, and what I mean by that is they can put up points in a hurry. Um, Very impressed with them offensively. They'll get after you defensively. They've got 30 sacks as a team. Uh, but but they give up some stuff on, on defense. They're giving up 30 points a game also. So it's um, it's a game where don't expect the Cajun defense to go out and, and, and hold this team to under 20 points. That's not going to happen. Um, the offense is going to have to play, I think, at a very high level uh, on Friday, and the Cajuns are going to have to win the turnover battle if they're going to have a chance to win this game because – Houston, let's remember, Houston was nationally ranked before the season started. Houston was the odds-on favorite to win the American this year. It didn't happen for them. Um, But this is a good football team the Cajuns are playing. I don't care what their record is. I I just know that there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game in all probability. Well, they're coached by Dana Holgerson, who's part of that Mike Leach coaching tree. So, Putting up points <laughs> is something that he's always prided himself on no matter where he's been in his head coaching career or even as an assistant coach. So it should be a good game. You know, you talked about, you know, you don't expect the defense to pitch a shutout in that, but the Cougars defense does give up some big plays here and there. You know, you said win the turnover battle. That's going to be key. Give me a, another maybe under the radar element in this game that the Cajuns are going to have to do to be able to pull out a victory on Friday afternoon? Well, I, I think they've got to be successful running the football. And, and, and gosh, I sound like a broken record when I say that, but it's still football 101, all right? And, and if you're running the football and running it successfully, you do a couple of things. You take the heat off your quarterback, and now you're throwing the ball when you want to instead of when you have to. And the other thing is – if you've got a good ground attack going and you're able to, to go ahead and drive down the field with your running game, well, it, it's hard to score 37 a game if you don't have the football. Uh, and so you, it, it enables you to get time of possession on your side, uh, and, and maybe that can help you uh, in the contest as well. But, uh, you know, win, winning the turnover is going to be big. Uh, I think, uh, you know, field position might be, but I think both of these teams – are going to have the capability of driving the ball downfield against the other team's defense. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm, you know, I want to see how these teams handle the cold weather because it's going to be, from a temperature standpoint, probably the second coldest game in Cajun history. Um, and Houston, let's face it, the, they don't play they don't play in cold weather a whole lot either. So I'll be interested to see how both teams handle the elements. Well, I know the elements isn't going to impact you and your call, my friend. I know it's going to be tremendous. Well, it's not going to impact my call because 
I'm in a press box with the windows down open. <laughs> hey, bud. Hey, bud. It's going to be chilly just getting up to the press box, so, you know. Oh, anything- amen. Amen. <laughs> just going from the parking lot to the press box. Uh, I, look, I will be dressed for the occasion, I can promise you. I know you will, brother. I know you will. Jay, appreciate your time. Be careful out there this week heading over to Austin. Have a great call for the men's basketball game Wednesday night, and then uh, I'll see you on Friday, brother. Have a tremendous call for the bowl game as well, and Merry Christmas to you and yours, my friend. Merry Christmas to all of you. Thanks for having me on, as always, and go Cajuns. It's Jay Walker. My man says he's going to be prepared. He's going to go to the Hannah Five Names way of preparing to bundling up. Jacket over jacket. The rare two-jacket flex with the knitted hat. You know, Jay has no hair like I do. So you need to protect the old dome in the elements. The wind can blow on. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. No one wants to get wind burn on the top of the head. No one wants that. It's not a good look. That's not good for the holidays. It's just not. You know what would be good for the holidays, though? Winning tickets to see the new biopic about Whitney Houston. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Man, people are excited about this movie. Our intern Moses was singing that song, talking about how excited he is to go to the movie. That's right. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting the word Whitney the 68683. That's Whitney, the 68683, to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview brought to you by A. Bryan's Jewelers and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This contest is going to end tomorrow. So if you want to score those tickets for the special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic, gotta text Whitney to 68683 today. Get those text messages in. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update the poll question of the day and more. That's all coming up right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number one remember to actually leave milk and cookies for Santa and not some hipster healthy option. The big fella is holly and jolly for a reason. This helpful holiday tip. Brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. NBA fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NBA this holiday season. Look, you know me. You've heard me tell you before. I love doing the little player prop options and starting to explore doing some of those same game parlays. Like tonight's Pelicans-Bucks game from the Smoothie King Center. Money line right now, minus 110 for both the Pels and the Bucks to win. Little player prop bets. CJ McCollum over unders 18 and a half for him to score tonight. Zion, 25 and a half is the over under. CJ, five and a half assists. Zion, four and a half assists. Giannis, the Greek freak, five and a half as well. And look, a good parlay for tonight's game. How about Pelicans money line? CJ gets over 18 and a half against the Bucks, and Zion gets under seven and a half rebounds. 
Oh, man, you can have fun with these bets. And right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving Louisiana NBA fans a special gift. For a limited time, you can get yourself a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in under the Promos tab, and place an eligible bet of your choice on a New Orleans game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get your money back in a free bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. New customers can sign up with promo code 1037GAME and get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and opt in today to receive this limited-time offer only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA, must be 21 years of age to play physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only, max reward limits apply, one free bet issued based on amount of initial losing bet, eligibility restrictions do apply, see terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, and if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER wasn't all NFL this past weekend. Now, there was plenty of crazy NFL action. We've talked a lot about it. Just not the Saints being able to get a win against the Dirty Birds, sweeping their rival this season. But the end of the Patriots-Raiders game was insane. The Cowboys losing on a pick six. Minnesota rallying from 33 points down at halftime, the largest deficit ever overcame in a ball game in NFL history. There was plenty of craziness this weekend. But something happened worthy of you knowing about. Houston Astros being kind of quiet, right, during this free agency period. Lots of money being spent. Lots of dumb, stupid money being spent. But the the Astros sat back after locking up their bullpen and then going and getting a Brayu. They've been quiet. Well, they got a deal done over the weekend. Sources say Michael Brantley, who missed most of this last season, due to an injury, is coming back to the Astros on a one-year, $12 million deal with a chance to make $4 million more in incentives. That still keeps the Astros well under the luxury tax threshold. They still have space to sign more guys. Brantley, he is 35, but remember he joined the Astros in 2019 and has been a huge part of their playoff runs and more importantly, a huge part in what they do in that locker room. We heard about it during the playoff run, which he wasn't able to take part in. Brantley was a guy that was mentioned by multiple players of helping them with their swing, of helping them pick themselves up if they were down. He was still involved, a huge part of what they do in that locker room. And when you get him back healthy, guess what? Now you have a guy that can hit that plays the outfield. And that's something that they've been missing. So it's a big deal. I know $12 million, a lot of people go, that's a lot of money for a 35-year-old. But you're paying a guy a ton of money to come back for one year, keep things kind of together. He was a big part of what you've been able to do the last four seasons. He's a great leader. You keep that as well. Oh, and also, he's a really good bat. And you can't have enough of that in your lineup. So Astros do bring back Michael Brantley Jr. on a one-year $12 million deal. Let's head out to the hotline quickly. Welcome on, Martin. Martin, I got about a minute, but it's yours, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, basically all I want to say is one of the biggest things I think that happened this weekend is my guy, I got my Christmas present early, my guy, Messi, finally gets his World Cup. Look, look. That's your guy? That's your man? 
That's your man? That That is my guy. I always was a Mets fan. Always. You know, I, I'm, I, I really don't watch a lot of soccer, but look, I'm going to put it to you this way. From that game yesterday, you know, the emotions I felt throughout the game, I've never felt in any other sport. I mean, it was an up-and-down match, the whole match, you know, and then finally seeing Mets. I mean, the guy's done all kind of good stuff for the game. And, you know, you can literally see the monkey being taken off this guy's back when he finally gets got to lift the cup up, you know. And, oh, by the I, I think this sport is on the uprise in the United States. And, oh, by the way, guess where the next World Cup is? United States, Mexico, and Canada. So I think this sport's on the uprise. And Messi mania is coming to the United States because I hear that there is a rumor going around that he's fixing a sign with the new club in Miami. But so happy for Argentina. Couldn't have happened to a better team. And there is actually one team that I hate just as much as the, the Yankees now, and that's France. I have nothing for Mbappe, nothing for them, because they, they, the way they handled the loss yesterday by not taking, wanting to take the pictures and stuff after the match, it was, it was, I mean, there was some sore sports. But anyway, Messi is the GOAT. He's the greatest all time. And take heed because soccer's on the rise, buddy. And I want to wish you, you and the whole crew at 103.7 The Game a very happy and Merry Christmas. And I hope Santa's well to, uh, good to, uh, to Hattie. Have a Merry Christmas, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. Yeah, I did not care for how France handled themselves after the match. Look, it, it, it's a tough way to lose. I get it. It looks like you're going to uh, win Argentina rallies, then they went on penalty kicks. But yeah, I, I get it. But you could have done it a little bit more classy. The way they didn't, they, they didn't really handle that all that well. They were trying to become the first back-to-back World Cup champions in 65 years. They're probably one of the best teams and collection of talent that we've seen the, these last couple of World Cups. And look, their guy, who Martin mentioned, still won the Golden Boot over Messi, which goes to the most you know outstanding player of the World Cup. They're still going to be one of the favorites to win in four years, them in Brazil, even though Argentina is going to be coming back. And Messi says that he's not retiring. So can he make it another World Cup? I don't know. But it was great to see a great, dramatic World Cup match. It was a perfect way to end the World Cup. Lots of drama, and you get to see a legend like Messi finally win the World Cup. It was phenomenal. And I'm not even a big soccer guy. And it was great to see that. Let's hope that Team USA can actually be relevant when the World Cup comes here in four years. I'm not going to hold my breath, though. (laughs) I'm not going to hold my breath. we got to take a timeout when we return here on RP3 and Company. Ross Jackson, our guy, we've been talking to him after losses. Well, now we get the opportunity to get Mr. Positivity to talk about a win. We'll do that next with the Big Easy Blitz that's coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 36. Your precious little ones should receive a few boxes of boring clothes under the tree. Yeah, they'll surely be disappointed, but that helps build character. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
You could always tell what box had the clothes in it when you were a kid. Like, I'd go to my grandmother's house. I could always tell when she bought something from Gafer's or JCPenney because it'd be in the, <laughs> the box. I'd be like, that's going to be a sweater. I can tell already. Grandma, no. <laughs> then you have to open it up and... Grandma wants to take a picture, and you're like, oh, yes. Thank you, Grandma, so much for clothes. I'm going to hold it up. Yes. Yay. I want the G.I. Joe battleship. Not a sweater. We'll get to that this week, too. About the gift that you always wanted but never got. For me, I asked Santa every year for the G.I. Joe battleship, but it was like a fortune, like even like in the early to mid-'80s. It was like $300 or something ridiculous. And every year I didn't get it. But, you know, like, you know, my parents can afford that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Who could afford that? Oh, man. Keep voting on the poll question of the day. Do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll make sure to try to share those before we wrap up today's show. Right now, though, it's time for us to talk New Orleans Saints football with our buddy from the Locked on Saints podcast, Mr. Ross Jackson, joins us now. Ross Good morning. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Bud, how are you? We don't have Ross. Don't hear Ross. Let's try to reconnect Ross, shall we? Have no Ross coming through whatsoever. So we'll attempt to get Ross on the line so we can communicate back and forth. I mean, I I love that Ross can hear me, but I just can't hear Ross. So it kind of makes the back and forth a little difficult, to say the least. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, I can sit here and talk to you about my Christmas as a child. I mean, all the time. I mean, I can do that for a whole hour if you'd like, over and over again. I mean, I'm old enough to remember. There he is. <laughs> There's our guy. I heard. I heard myself. <laughs> I heard myself. He says, uh, "Good morning, ma- ma- Merry Christmas, brother." Good morning, buddy. Merry Christmas. Glad to be here with you. How you holding up? I'm doing well. Uh, are you real tree or artificial tree guy? Um, artificial tree for right now, but it is a life goal to get a real tree. There it is. There you know it is. I mean? Like I'm working towards real tree status. <laughs> real tree status. <laughs> I like that. Man's working towards real tree status, he says. Oh, man. All right. Look, the season's lost. Not a lot to cheer for, but sweeping the dirty birds is always a good thing. So give me your big takeaways, your positives from yesterday's win. Yeah, I think that there are a few. I mean, obviously, like, I, I'm a big proponent of losing gracefully but winning petty. And I think that's something that the New Orleans Saints are able to do and that New Orleans Saints fans can sit back and enjoy for this week that they still swept the Atlanta Falcons, the the hated rival within the division. And, look, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to talk about how the Saints are technically still alive within the division. They're only a game no. out all these other things. But, like, the the biggest thing to look at here is that this is right now a team that is starting to take the right direction. They're starting to take steps in the right direction. And, yeah, it's unfortunate that that's happening, you know, week 15, week 16. But you did see some good things. Alvin Kamara, 23 touches, the most that he's had all season outside of the – or the most that he's had since – uh, the win against the Las Vegas Raiders. You saw some interesting usage for Taysom Hill. The Saints all of a sudden have three really good pass catchers to run their offense through in Juwan Johnson, Rashid Jaheed, Chris Olave. You've got Jarvis Landry, who uh, continues to to contribute. I know he only had one target and unfortunately wasn't able to come down with that catch yesterday, but he has made his contributions throughout the season. But even if he 
is it able to return in 2000? You know, it doesn't come back in 2023. The Saints have a really, really good core of young players in the passing game that they can lean on with, with, with uh, Rashid Shaheed, Juwan Johnson, and Chris Olave. So that's good news for them moving forward. Uh, Alante Taylor is an absolute stud. He looks so good out there. And one of these days, he's going to get the interception that stands. And once that happens, uh, kind of like Bradley Roby said, they'll keep coming like the the dam will eventually break for him so i think there's a lot of good positives that you can take away from this game without having to get into playoff contention postseason life anything like that lots of good signs for the new orleans saints they can use as building blocks they continue to move forward still some things to improve of course but some steps in the right direction i want to talk about juan because Mm -hmm. here's a guy that played wide receiver big body wide receiver out of oregon Saints are like, hey, you got the build of a tight end. Let's move you over. But it's it's a tough position to transition to. It's not easy. We saw right. flashes last year early, right, with him and Jameis. When mm-hmm. Jameis got hurt, then all of a sudden Juwan was nowhere to be found for the remainder of the season. What's been the big difference between for him between last year and this year? I think opportunity. Opportunity is a big part of it. I mean, last year he was still behind effectively guys like Adam Troutman and Nick Van Atho. Adam Troutman was dealing with injury throughout the season. Uh, He was transitioning to that position. That was his first year doing that. Now he's gotten a full season plus plus a couple of training camps now uh, to make that that switch. And it's clear that not in in this scenario, it's not just Jameis that trusts him, but Andy Dalton trusts him a ton as well and andy has continuously gone to him the guy's got seven touchdowns on the season now um and he leads the team in that category i mean he has just been given more opportunities here you see the target number is up you see the opportunities are absolutely there for him so the snaps are up the targets are up he has the trust of his quarterback i think that those are are things that allow him to be able to impact games and i think too like shout out to Jawan because in order for him to get out there for those passing snaps, he has to be able to go out there for those run snaps as well. And he's developed so much as a blocker over the course of this season and over the course of the previous offseason that that's sort of what opened the door up for him to have those opportunities that he's now making good on. Also, Adam Troutman just flaming out also paved the way for Jawan to take advantage of that opportunity as well mm-hmm. because a guy they spent a fairly high draft pick on hasn't panned out and a guy that was an afterthought a converted wide receiver looks like is going to be their franchise tight end. Do they make it a priority this offseason to lock him up and have him long term? I think so. Uh, they have a really good, you know, leg up in that conversation because he's going to be a restricted free agent since it's the end of his uh, undrafted free agent contract. So that means that the Saints effectively can put down what's called a tender or or a certain amount of let's just call it holding money effectively towards a one year contract that gives them right of first refusal if another team makes him an offer would give them the chance to match that offer if he does get one from another team uh would also buy them some time in terms of getting the first round second round or right of first refusal tender on them all of those are different sort of varying pay scales but whichever ones they decide to go with i could see a second round tender making the most sense kind of keeps teams away from making an offer because then if they do make an offer and the Saints don't match, they'd have to give up a second round pick in order to in order to sign them. And I don't think that NFL teams are going to be in a hurry to give up a second round pick for a tight end. And so I think that, you know, that's an easy route for the Saints to go. And that would also just buy them time to also work on a longer term deal throughout the offseason. Another guy you mentioned, Shahid, he, you know, has been a guy that has one sensational play and then they don't call his number again. That finally stopped yesterday where they're like, hey, let's get him the ball. Let's target him. And he paid it off big time. Here's a guy 
that kind of came out of nowhere. Why do you think he's been able to succeed so much, especially in a wide receiving core that had so many other options and guys that were supposed to be counted on that didn't step up, and yet he is? Well, I think I think injuries certainly opened up opportunities for him. I mean, there's a good chance that he sits on the practice squad or or whatever all season this year in 2022 if it wasn't for Deontay Hardy's injury. So he gets an opportunity yep. to go out there and show what he can do as a returner, but then also gets the jet sweep in his opening game. It was that 53-yard jet sweep oh, that he took to the house against the Bengals. And then he had, you know, the big 44-yard touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals. Now he's got a 68-yard touchdown on his ledger uh, yesterday uh, against the Falcons. And so I think that the injuries that unfortunately happened ahead of him fortunately allowed him opportunity, but he's also made good on it as well. Remember, the, the entire point of, of ever bringing him up was to see what he could bring in the run in the return game because he's the FCS leader in kick return touchdowns. He's a record holder in that category, and he's one of the best to come out of the college ranks as a kick returner. And the other thing that he shows you that he could also do is, oh, actually play uh, a quality receiver role. He's taken a lot of steps forward in terms of his route running, and I'm sure everyone knows this by now, but he's really fast, and that ends up having a huge benefit for him uh, as well. And when we see him blow past guys like Jalen Ramsey, we see him blow past guys like uh, like AJ Terrell and, and, and these Falcon safeties and this Falcon secondary. This is what Rashid Shaheed has done his entire career. It's just that he suffered that ACL injury coming out of college, never got any opportunity to do any kind of testing or anything like that. And so NFL teams looked at him as an undrafted guy. And thankfully the new Orleans saints spent the time with him that they, that they needed to. And I think a good part of that was perhaps his relationship with Chris Olave. Both of them are from the, the Southern California, San Diego area. So they go back a little bit. And of course, Darren Rizzi, who has continuously found great ways uh, or, or great options in the undrafted free agent pool. Yeah, and it looks like you may have a guy moving forward in maybe the tenure of Deontay Hardy and Traquan Smith. Both probably maybe are coming to an end, but you got a guy that can simply take that job that both of them had and you have him moving forward, which is kind of the silver lining here. All right, Ross, you know, they finally got Alvin Kamara involved. They finally got Taysom Hill involved. You get the win. Now you go on the road to take on a Cleveland team that's not necessarily a bunch of world beaters, right? They struggle to put up points. They barely beat a Ravens team without Lamar Jackson, which is a totally different team. <sighs> Cleveland's always given the Saints fits traditionally. Do you like the chances of this team to be able to get back-to-back -back wins for the first time this season? Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. I'm not going to say that I like the chances, but I do believe that the Saints have a chance. The issue is that the Saints have been pretty have, have struggled against the run game and they've got Nick Chubb on the way. And, and for me, that's kind of the biggest uh, factor in, in this one. And so are they going to be able to uh, are they going to be able to limit the run game enough or are they going to be able to score enough points on the opposite side, which is what worked for them? In yesterday's game against the Atlanta Falcons to where, you know, you give up 235 rushing yards, but you're not putting a lot of points on the board that way if you're Atlanta. So in that case, this, do you end up, uh, you know, being able to outscore them over on the offensive side? So we'll need to see another fast start from this team. More creative usage of Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill. The quality of those opportunities needs to continue to increase along with the opportunities having increased themselves in terms of number, but are they going to be able to limit the the Cleveland Browns run game enough? And are they going to be able to put up enough points on the opposite side of the field in order to really be able to take advantage of that? So do I, do I like their chances? I'm not going to say I like them, but do I think <laughs> they have a chance? Yes. 
My man, are you going to go up to frigid Ohio this weekend, or are you going to stay in what's supposed to be frigid Louisiana? <laughs> um, no no offense to the great city of Cleveland, but absolutely not. I'm not going to Cleveland, uh, and that doesn't really have anything to do with Cleveland. I'm actually going to be in Arkansas with my family, uh, visiting my family for the first time in Christmas season since uh, the pandemic and all these other things, so I'm very excited to be able to do that. So I'll actually be with some family this week. Uh, so you're gonna it's gonna be a little cold for you because I'm going it's to Shreveport no matter where right, I go. <laughs> I'm going to Shreveport for the Raging Cajuns bowl game and the high is supposed to be like 30 and the low is supposed to be nine in yeah, Shreveport try not to think about it right try not to think about it <laughs> <laughs> bundle up brother yeah I saw I saw one of the the lows in Little Rock is like six degrees and I don't oh. think I've ever even oh. I don't think I've ever even read that before <laughs> brother uh enjoy your um holiday um spend it with your loved ones Merry Christmas to you and your family brother and uh, we'll talk to you after the new year right back at you buddy appreciate you as always thanks to you everybody at the station Merry Christmas to everybody appreciate y'all Six degrees in Little Rock. Ross is going home to see some family in Arkansas. It is going to be cold Christmas weekend. It's going to be a cold Christmas weekend. Got to do the big Hannah two jackets move. That's right. Two jackets. That's the move to make this coming weekend. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up today's show, finalize the poll question of the day, and get you set up for hopefully a glorious Monday morning for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. Saints win and... Michael Brantley Jr. comes back to the Astros. That's a one-two combination. Should be a glorious Monday morning. Glorious. We'll keep our fingers crossed. You never do know. That's all coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alvin! Oh, man, you've heard me tell you before the job that Lafayette Marble and Granite did at our house with our bathroom renovation. And let me tell you, it is amazing. Great customer service, and they have the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana. And look, Chris and his team, man, they're going to appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. And trust me, they want to earn it. Look, they provide more than just show-stopping mar- marble countertops for kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves, though. I mean, they do that right. They do that the right way. They do it great. But they also now have an extensive selection of custom shower lines for custom grout-free showers. No muss, no fuss, no odor. Tremendously convenient for you. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and great products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their soon-to-be-renovated showroom on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. Lafayette Marble and Granite, they're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it they will. Once again, go check out their website, lmgelite.com. Poll question of the day. Final results. Do you put up a real or artificial Christmas tree? Final results. Wow. This is what I expected it to be, but nice push by for the real trees late. But 54% of you say artificial is what you do. 37% say real. And 9% of you say you put up both. Both an artificial and a real tree. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Doug says, does a picture of a tree count? LOL. <laughs> I'd like to borrow one of yours, preferably number three. Merry Christmas to the game and all of Acadiana. Thank you for all who voted on the poll question of the day and all who left their comments. We'll have another Christmas-themed poll question tomorrow. Not to worry. It's going to be about Christmas lights. 
I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Jeff Palermo from Tiger Ag Radio, Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast. That's going to do it for today. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes, hopefully a glorious Monday morning, is next. Right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.